Welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Your hosts, Marcy and Jenny, are talking and drinking their way through Newberry award-winning books, past and present. Hello and welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Marcy. And today we have a very special edition of the podcast. So we are reviewing Raina Telgemeier's Smile because it's the On the Same Page program selection for this year. And we'll be learning more about that program very shortly. We're joined today by Little Shop of Stories manager Justin Calusi Estes, who is also the program director of On the Same Page. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, thank you both for letting me come on. I'm a fan of the podcast, and so this is just really exciting and special. We're so happy to have you. So On the Same Page is a community-wide reading program for Decatur, Georgia, and we pick a book every year. We do various kinds of programming elements uh, around the book, including a service project. Um, we will often have like a writing workshop. We foster book clubs, and it all culminates with a visit from the author. So in this case, Raina Telgemeier, she'll be coming October 23rd to Decatur to talk about this book and uh, she'll also be on tour for her new book, Guts. We'll have information about tickets and everything forthcoming. What's really amazing about On the Same Page, we're now into our ninth year, is that various schools all participate. They create reading groups. Um, teachers will do things in the classroom around the book. Families will take up reading the book. Different schools will meet and bring together classrooms to discuss the book. Um, that's always really cool. We've had in the past local theaters put on play productions of some of the selections. We just really try and engage the community in various ways. I am really thrilled that we have Raina coming this year. I think this is just a really phenomenal book. What's really amazing is how many kids already know the book. It's a new book that teachers are introducing to kids and kids are sharing with one another. In this case, so many kids have already read it. I hope it, that kind of travels the other direction. The kids are able to share this with their parents and, and with their teachers and that it becomes a kind of new experience in the classroom and in book discussions to look at, at comics in some really interesting ways, which is, is really becoming kind of a new thing, I think, in the classroom is, is ways to, to use comics and, and particularly this, this genre that Smile essentially sort of created. It's not the first graphic novel that you guys have had for On the Same Page, is that right? Oh, that's you'd... true, that's true. We did El Defo several years ago, and Cece Bell came for that. That was fantastic. Kids, you know, they respond to everything sort of equally, graphic novels and, and novels, and, and they have, you know, kids have different tastes, and there are kids who are like, oh, I don't read graphic novels, you know, it's just the same way that some kids are like, oh, I like, you know, fantasy, I don't like realism or, you know, vice versa. But I think that, you know, there's a way in which graphic novels even now kind of get ignored by, by adults. You know, as the manager of a kid's bookstore, we still hear parents say, you know, I want you to read you know, a real book. And sometimes it's couched a little differently. Like something that I hear often now is, is um, you know, well, you'll finish that in two seconds, you know, without recognizing the fact that that particularly with graphic novels, kids read and reread and reread. So here's one of the things I think is really amazing about this book, in some ways radical, is 
that question of plot, right? Because that's the thing we always ask, what's it about? And it's something that I think graphic novels are uniquely positioned to sustain, which is a, a novel that is kind of nonlinear in its concerns, right? So the, the ostensible through line here is that Raina Telgemeier in sixth grade trips, knocks out her front two teeth, and so has to go through a series of like excruciating and humiliating and funny and painful um, things t for dental-wise to, to fix that, right? So that it picks up when that happens and it ends in the sort of the denouement after they're removed in ninth grade. But that is both kind of a loose thread on which to hang all these sort of independent experiences, but also acts as a metaphorical hook that um, she's able to kind of dip in and out of at moments to connect to various things that are going on. And otherwise, like you said, it is very slice of life. I think it is, and I mean all this in sort of, a, I think it's structurally um, very fascinating because answering that question, what is it about? There's no elevator pitch here. There's no classic, you know, arc of beginning, middle, and end. Instead, it is much more, it's much more slippery. And I think in that way, one of the things that has, um, one of the reasons why it's held up over the years, and not only that, but actually created this explosive genre um, in in kids' graphic novels and, and in kids' fiction in general of of the of the nonfiction comics memoir is because it is reflective of so many aspects of experiences that kids are having, and so they read it and they reread it, and it and it mirrors things that they're wrestling with. Not, not even necessarily in some big way, but in all these small moments that she presents that wrestle with adolescence. Um, and I, I just, I mean, I think that that's, um, I, I think it's, it, it's innovative in a way that uh, is um, very uh, resilient um, and fresh and allows for um, a new kind of kids' fiction to emerge in a way. When you said that um, it encompasses all these different things that kids are experiencing, that's one of the things that I think gets it gets so right is that there's so much stuff on top of each other, right? So it's this very when I say slice of life, I don't mean I don't mean it in a dismissive way. I mean it in a this is a fully realized set time in her life and you see her sighing, you see her talking under her breath, you see her um, being upset, but just for like two panels, you see her very excited for two panels. And that's, there's so much going on and it's so fast, when, fast paced when you are that age. I think it just, it captures that so well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think to give a little bit of my background, I like to call myself a recovering academic. I, I used to 
teach um, college English. And at one point, I was lucky enough to actually be able to teach a comic studies course. And I've dabbled in comics myself and been a big fan of comics for ages. And, and I've also, like, through, the, through Little Shop Stories, the Kids Bookstore, we've had um, summer camps and we've had comics camp is one that I started and and one of the things I try and um, help kids kind of see is is that oftentimes it's not about the the details of of an illustration but instead cartooning is much more about kind of getting the gesture of a figure and um there is a lot that is both literally, you know, the way that she um, captures those emotions on not only her face, but, you know, in the people surrounding her, um, both friends and family, but also sort of the metaphorical gesture of those moments, I think, are really true. One of the th you know, there's there's a lot about this that um, pushes back on some of the traditional forms of the novel. So she meets this boy and she in band and she's attracted to him and then nothing kind of comes of it, right? I mean, there's this moment where that day he's in sixth grade, she's in seventh grade. She gets ribbed about it by her friends a little, but that doesn't seem to do anything. Instead, what happens is, is that there's a different kid that she ends up getting a crush on. And she is like, there's a, a very uncomfortable moment where she disappoints the, the kid from band. But, but it's just part of the fabric of middle school. You know, there's there's a lot of moments like that. And in fact, sort of what might even be considered, I think, one of the, if you were to say, like, what is a big thematic or sort of climactic moment is immediately kind of um, deflated or, or undercut immediately after where she has this confrontation with friends that aren't really treating her like a real friend and she stands up to them, and instead of it, it is both a triumph, but also a, and life goes on kind of thing. Like immediately afterwards, she says, we were still, we would still be friendly in the hallways and this kind of stuff, but things got gradually better. One thing about Raina's website, like I noticed that she seems almost a little touchy about people calling graphic novels a genre. She says it's a format or a medium, but not a genre, which is, of course, totally true. But she's so clever in how she writes and illustrates because I feel like in Smile, the teeth function the same way as as the format. So, like, the the teeth are, like, a, a f almost a, a medium rather than the actual plot themselves. Like, obviously, they provide sort of a beginning and an end and a, a theme, but the real plot points are just like the standard pieces of adolescence and that is what makes it more compelling like the the teeth could be almost anything like the teeth could be you know i broke my leg and mm -hmm. i had to go to physical therapy i had this or i had that but like the genius of it is her her life experience that's universal mm -hmm. and, and i think that this that sets the stage and allows for things like um real friends uh, Shannon Hale and Wen Pham, mm. in that there's this older sister 
that's a teenager who's going through like a lot of stuff and there is not a can, there is not a traditional like we're going to resolve this questions are going to be answered like this is this this is a it it's just this disruptive element and um that that happens for for kids and and like i think about anyway i think about like there's a moment in here when Raina's comes home she's i can't remember if it, but it's fairly early on in the process her mouth is just miserable she's like like feeling nauseous from novocaine and the mom says let's go get you a video game yeah and so she's home and this younger sister's like can i play too and Raina's like no and the mom <laughs> says you know come on she's feeling miserable let's just let her have this and and there's no, it's not foreshadowing anything. It's not, like, it's none of those things that if in a, it was in a novel, it would be signaling. Instead, it, it, it just is, is. It just is. It's very, like, a red wheelbarrow. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. The whole, but the whole novel is like that. It's yeah. made up of these moments, and it's, it's that sort of moment of recognition, right? It's less about the symbolism and more about feeling that you were there or that you could have been there or, mm -hmm. or she was in your place, which is just wonderful in a graphic mm -hmm. novel. It, it, and I think there's also a way in which through the visuals, she's able to explore the emotional territory of herself and these friends and the family, you know, by, uh, there's a physicality to the characters on the page. There's a physicality to every part of the drawings. Like yeah. even the part in the, the earthquake what got me, like, what conveyed to me best the motion of it was they had a fishbowl that was sloshing, right? Mm -hmm. And just the way that the water sloshed in the fishbowl conveyed the complete motion of the earthquake. It was wonderful. Yeah. It, it's so rare to find someone who can write in this way but also illustrate in this mm -hmm. way. It's just magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> I, I think it also speaks to how kids, I mean, Normally, when we're picking an on-the-same-page book, we're looking at a book that kind of the target demographic is about third grade, and that way younger kids, you know, can, can, they can read it as a family, and older kids may have read it, but they can st still read it. So, But, like, by hitting third grade, it you kind of ripples out to the other, and you kind of hit elementary school that way. This... You know, it's middle school. Ostensibly, its reader is going to be that age or closer to that age. But you get kids reading it, you know, fairly young. And, and, a, and as an adult, it's enjoyable, too. Like, mm -hmm. it, it places you really back where she was writing. Just the little tiny moments that she references mm -hmm. are so specific. Yeah, like, I mean, you were telling me before we began that there were things that hit you. Oh yeah. Like she's reading YM magazine in the car and she's listening to certain songs and watching certain movies. And it just, it kind of hits you. And That's interesting. Cause you know, I didn't well, pick up on the YM <laughs> well, magazine. So you're just a smidge older than us. And yeah. so like, I think that, and not being a girl at that time right. too, yeah. like you had different, like strong associations, but I remember that earthquake. It's interesting. Cause I remember that. I don't, I don't at all. I remember, um, 
the uh, I remember Little Mermaid. <laughs> you know. I don't know that I remember it in the theater. I remember in the theater. I think we went with like a summer camp that I was at. We would have been what nine, nine then. No, I was I was ten, eleven. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really got me was going back to the little the little tater tot uh, sixth grader that she had a little crush, mm-hmm. mutual crush with, when she's standing outside the Valentine's Day dance. Oh my gosh! <gasps> the the gym scene. That was oh. that hit me really oh. hard. I. Yes. <laughs> remember being in situations that I didn't, they were so foreign to me and so big, I had no language to understand how to handle them or how to even think about them involving like boys at that age. But there was all this like pressure to understand Mm -hmm. and, and get involved in that. And I just really didn't understand and, and so, like, know. like he, like when he hands her that like Walgreens bag, oh, and then the she price tag. On. But I was so like, I was so heartened as an adult to like that she took it home, and then she, then she opened it by herself and reacted at home, and then it just wasn't really that big of an issue. That made me f- feel a lot better because <laughs> I was like, oh no, like, the awkward things that we did were received kindly. As yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, wait, and like the. Oh, there were yeah, there were a lot of elements uh, to me. The a lot of the dynamics between the friends. Mm. You know, I remember the first time I read it, I didn't pick up on the friends being jerks nearly as much. But like, there's so many elements. The way that her friends are wearing makeup, yeah, and have and and of course there's there's this deal about where she's desperate for earrings in sixth grade, but. There's also like just these little digs that are just so painful, just like little things that, uh, you know, just um, are, are so powerful. And I, I wonder if, so again, as a guy, like I didn't read Babysitter's Club Oh. When I was a kid, I didn't read Sweet Valley High. I well, by the time Babysitters Club came out, you would have been in your late, like in your teens, right? <laughs> you would have been like forty, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd have been a hundred. You're ancient. You know, a hundred, a hundred year old man would never wear, read Babysitters Club. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember them, but I remember Sweet Valley High, and I remember I that, that was but, the eighties. I never really got into those. But here's my question to to y'all is. Out. Is did uh, I, f- I feel like when there was whenever there was that kind of element in books, it was like that was the theme. It was like a, on a very special episode of Blossom or whatever. It was that kind of like we're going to talk about bullying, and so we're going to demonstrate that in this book. Oh, yeah, Babysitters but- Club. That was the mo. So there was one whole book about like um, what is it called when you is the kissing disease. Mono. mono. Oh yeah, one whole yeah. book about mono. I mean, a whole other book about like there was a whole Sweet Valley about getting your period. Oh yeah. My ignorance right now, you know, sort of demonstrates the why it's bad to have you know male editors and male writers dominating, you know, kids lit for so long that you know, I mean, the amazing thing is that. Parents will say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a boy book or a girl book. I don't find my, I don't find kids having that concern no, as much. No, they never do. Like, and a lot of times you ask them, like, do you care if your main character is like this or that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. And 
Is there a force? And yeah, and, and I think smile, you know, uh, across the board, boys and girls read it equally. Um, you know, it just resonates in so many ways. And, and I think even for younger kids, it helps them sort of pierce the veil of what to anticipate about school interaction, friends, even like questions of, I mean, it's not necessarily about puberty, but it touches on it just enough in the same way that, you know, we were talking earlier about some of the books that may have had elements of puberty that seemed much bigger at the time we right. read them than, than they are now. So I do think that this, it does a great job of all the things that you've talked about. And I think it, it has all the makings to me of a classic um if I had had this when I was younger, it would still be on my shelf with all my other old, really worn out paperbacks that I have still. Mm -hmm. um, it just has everything in it that that I could ask for to to figure out figure out my world at that time, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I think we do need to talk about our experiences with braces a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, god. absolutely. Oh my god, the braces. <laughs> okay, so and also her depiction of the braces is so spot on, ridiculously perfect. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Like I had braces in middle school and the pain and the embarrassment and the like the catching on your lips. I literally still have a line of scar tissue inside my mouth, top and bottom that I can feel with my tongue, right? Yeah, I know when I'm getting sick because I feel the because <laughs> I feel will start to feel the scar in the back of my mouth because, it, yeah, it's, but like the rubber bands mm. and like the the oh god the headachey pain mm -hmm. of that and like the weird smoothness when mm -hmm. they took them off like mm -hmm. your teeth felt like marshmallows yeah. right man it was it's all of that just really brings it back. Her descriptions are amazing, but so brief, right? Like right. tiniest little moments. The only thing that I, I was surprised wasn't included. I was such a drooler when I had braces. Like it was unbelievable how much know. drool oh. that I generated. Like, and I would like the uh, orthodontist or the, or the, his, or the nurse would be like in my mouth and it would just squirt. <laughs> it was just horrible. Um, but I think you're just drooly. That's... I'm not now though, unless I'm sick. Like you were talking about getting sick, I get drooly. But the, okay, so one of the things I hated was like eating salad or spaghetti because it would get stuck up on top. The little lettuce would go yeah. right up in mm -hmm. between. For me, it would lay on top like it was vacationing and sunbathing on the top of my braces. It was horrible. No, no I'd my, find my it, like, mouth feels just... <laughs> I can feel the weird, like, exactly. sucking maneuver that you had to do to get the food out from behind the mm -hmm. wires. Mm -hmm. Yep. I literally, okay, I'm 39 years old. I had these in middle school. And I can, like, feel mm -hmm. the wires crossing mm -hmm. the little yeah. metal pieces. Mm -hmm. For me, yeah, it was, I, it was that in the back, there were oh, the, the little the, pointy pieces. There were pointy pieces, and my... My cheeks would get hooked on yes. those things, and oh, oh my god! Pointy pieces. Do you mean the, like the brace? No, the brace like ones. The, the end of the wires. The end of the wires would. Oh, poke. I waxed. I waxed those to nobody's business. Like I'd be in there just like putting wax. Oh, all see, I don't know. I would never had. Maybe it was that I just was like ig ignorant of it, or or it was just like no, whatever. But I didn't have any of those accoutrements. Let's do read-alikes. 
Rita likes. So I, we, did not, we did not warn you about this at all. No. We, but so we talk about books that are like this one that you would enjoy. Anyway, so my Rita likes for this are basically anything else Raina wrote, obviously, mm-hmm. um, of which there is a great deal, which is nice. She wrote Smile Drama, Sisters Ghost. She's got four graphic novelizations of Babysitter Club books, tons of comics. And then I always have to go back to my new very favorites. So Roller Girl by Victoria Jameson or um, El Defo by Cece Bell are all generally in the same vein uh, of sort of your autobiographical, slightly fictionalized graphic novel for that particular age. So any of those would do very nicely. The other one tiny thing, it's not even the whole book, but uh, Madeline Lingle wrote a book in which a girl had been in the Blitz Mm-hmm. And she could pop her like top, she called it a front plate out uh-huh. with her tongue. And that was like a weird little specific moment alike that, instead that rem- of a read alike. Yeah, 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 that's very cool. So my read alikes are um, American Born Chinese by Jean Yang. Yes. So good. It's not, definitely not a one to one. And um, Jean explores his cultural heritage mm-hmm. through the use of uh, stereotypes mm-hmm. and. Uh, folklore mm-hmm. yeah his, but, his the way he juxtaposes mm-hmm. the monkey king and uh, it i i the gap it, the the way it forces people to the reader to make those connections mm-hmm. is just brilliant i i love that book and um i think that it's remarkable in that it also has a lot of the adolescent mm-hmm. yeah moments in it as well as is tackling those bigger issues, um, you already mentioned real friends, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is very much owes a debt to this mm-hmm. book. Um, and then Pashmina by Nidhi. Oh yeah, Nidhi Chanani. Yeah. Again, um, examination of kind of bigger issues, but mm-hmm. has a lot of the little, um, the little moments of being an adolescent or pre-adolescent. I really think it's interesting how. What is modeled in Smile mm-hmm. shows up in other places mm-hmm. um, and then is built on. And I think it, that's been really interesting to see. For me, I mean, you guys have mentioned a number of them. I, I guess I would also bring up not just the Sunny books from Jennifer Holm and Matt Holm, Baby Mouse. I, so uh, Matt Holm and Jennifer Holm were coming for Sunny Side Up. They came on a um, tour. And uh, I remember um, in preparation, I think that, that they were going to be on a panel that I was moderating. And I picked it up, and Baby Mouse came out, and I can't remember how old I was, but I was, like, very into serious comics. And I was like, whatever about Baby Mouse, right? And the way that Baby Mouse indicates the internal imagination of Baby Mouse versus the external what's happening through use of color and panel organization is just really amazing. And um, and I think it's really worth like looking at and breaking down if you have an interest in um, you know comics theory or comic structure or like approaches to, to use of comics, particularly as it applies to doing, you know, um, kids' comics. But uh you know, I think that the way that they let Baby Mouse fill the space 
in that series um just kind of it they just it was it was it was a lot of fun there's a lot of exploration that just kind of happens on the page um but another um uh thing that i would uh, um if that that i think that that uh smile shares in common with is um there's um a couple of things there's a cartoonist gabrielle bell that i really love she does these almost like essay comics so they're they're kind of slice of life almost like diary comics except they really aren't she really takes some time to shape an experience into something that becomes a um you know she she really she really applies a memoirist's eye to what she's doing and there's a there's a piece she does on bed bugs it's just great (laughs) yeah i and you can find it on on her website that's it's just it's just really really good um in which you know she had some visitors that then ended up leaving (laughs) bed bugs and the way she talks about it especially because that happened during that when was that like uh three or four years ago where there was that like bed bug explosion yeah chiggers right yeah chiggers that would be a good companion that would be chiggers is really good and you talking um it reminded me this would be for older readers a little bit older than Mm -hmm. smile but um spinning by tilly oh my gosh yeah yeah that's a really good um connection Mm -hmm. um because she uses a similar device which is you know just this the, the change that her life goes through over this period and it's connected by her ice skating ice skating and her devotion to that we are going to be doing not only this lovely review episode but an interview with reina as well as an episode in which we interview some kids who are actors in the little shop players uh, they're doing an homage to 92nd newberry which of course we adore but it is a 90-second version of, of Smile. Yeah. Correct? So as one of the programmatic elements we are going to do is, is that we do uh, kids' theater. Um, we do about one production a year. And that's handled by Hannah Hyde, who has really shepherded that program along the past several years. But uh, our hope is to um, have some kids and, and put on – have them um, – uh, script and uh, and block and film, you know, um, a ninety second novel is what we're calling it of Smile, that we hope to present uh, as part of um, Raina's visit. Yeah, I think this would be fun. We did a we did a ninety second Newberry of Westing Game. Um, that was several years ago yeah kimberly was running it mm-hmm. kimberly yep. jones who kimberly jones as of two days ago is an official author yeah very exciting her her book i'm not dying with you tonight is delightful and just released um but yeah there's there's quite a few um schools uh locally who do 92nd newberry's uh four five academy oh really i i believe they actually have a club about it oh very cool um their librarian is really great and they do a whole a whole thing mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be fun so um, thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much for talking to us yeah. tonight. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Please rate and review us on whatever platform you found us. It helps other people find the podcast and helps us keep going. Also look up onthesamepage.org for more information about Little Shop of Stories community-wide reading program and Raina's book, Smile. See you next time. Bye. Production assistance for Newberry Tart is provided by Raphael Siebenman and Liam Grove. Graphic design by Liz Mytinger. Intro and outro by Ariana Hargrave. Theme music for this podcast is provided by the laid-back and local Throckmorton Ukulele Band. You can hear more of their music on Facebook. Find more Newberry Tart episodes at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our website is Newberry Tart. That's N-E-W-B-E-R-Y-T-A-R-T dot com.